Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. There's only one problem this week, listener, is there is no Sean. Sean apparently had better things to do. And uh, I don't know if it was a work release program or something going on with extradition problems and uh, couldn't get into the state of Michigan, but he is not going to be here this week with us. However, because we don't have Sean, uh, we have the Lou Gehrig to Sean's Wally Pip. We have we have such a fantastic stand-in. I mean, it's the Batman to his Robin. It's the what's a what's another good one? Uh, the 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 Rachel to his Monica. If you're a Friends fan, <laughs> name any superlative, any great, better. You know what's the what's the better? Uh, you know the 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 Costanza to his the butthead, maybe his what? Beavis to Butthead? Is, no, 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 no. Something where there's a clear better. This is, this is of course, Jeff Rieger, uh, intrepid uh, man about town, radio icon in Detroit for the ticket, 97.1. And Jeff, I never get the name of your, of your uh, show correct with Bob Wanowski, the famous Wojo. What is the name of your show and when is it on? It's called Wojo and Rieger. And uh, it's on uh, weekdays. Monday through Friday at six o'clock could go to see it's funny because uh when there's no games, I'll be on till 10 o'clock at night. Wojo leaves at eight. If there's games, we go up to the games. So yeah, give us a listen. We're here for you. And by it's the a- way, um, I am in my garage. My <laughs> wife kicked me out of the house. So um sorry for the the weed whipper you see in the background. And here I'll give you a little tour there. There you go. The this shovel. Is, this is clearly this yeah. is only audio. Nobody's seeing any of this. Jeff. Oh, Oh, okay. But I appreciate it. I, oh. let, we can paint a picture for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was video as well. Okay, now, fair I, enough. I think, I think you're a, a Ryobi cordless guy, if I'm not mistaken, it looks like. Battery, everything, no question. Oh, yeah. I like electric. I got an electric car. I got the electric blower. I got the electric weed whip, electric mower. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, electric car, th- this is radio money, people talking, okay? This is not, this is not <laughs> print money. What are you, you talking know? about, man? I... I I see people say that, but, and I know we're getting way off track just to start things off, but I have not paid for gas Carlos in over a year. And it's fantastic. There's this little app on my phone. It tells me how much money I save by the month. It's fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can you, can you, do you mind sharing which car you have or does that too? Oh, personal? for sure. I, I, um, I saved up, I saved up and, um, took a while and I was able to take advantage of a nice trade-in, and I got a Tesla. Tesla Model 3. Oh, is this the uh, Plaid Edition where you go like no, 30 God, 16, no, one second? Be, you can afford that. No. No, this goes pretty <laughs> quick, though. This is the lowest model that they have. But uh, here, I'm, I'm looking at whoops, I'm looking at the app right now. And just this month, don't be jealous. <laughs> just this month, it says um, I've saved $181. So for 30 days, I drive a lot. I spent about $45 in charging. Okay. And, and, you know what? And, and here's the thing. With Elon Musk in charge of Tesla, there's no way that's not true. There's no way he would mislead <laughs> you or give you false information for his benefit. So no, you, you know should funny? believe that. Not to get all political by any means, but <laughs> I, this is the greatest car I've ever had in my life. I love it. I talk about it. It's my baby. But, Does it uh, have a name? No, no, no. But you it's can. It's your you baby actually, then. You actually can name it, believe it or not. That there's an option for it. Farts. Here, do, do you want to hear it? That's why you got it. The fart. The, the Here, hon. Here, let me, let me do this. Make screen. it fart. Okay, hold on a second. Give, give me a second. Don't put me on the spot. Uh, here we go. <laughs> hear that? Can you hear that? Very. Do it two more times. Here, let me get close to the speaker. Yes. It sounds like a burp more than a fart, but yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's why I bought it. That's why I bought it. But no, and you can play a video game with it, right? And you use a steering wheel to oh, play Oh, you can do it all, yeah. yeah it yeah. drives for you. It's fantastic. But I love the car. But the guy that represents the car, yeah, I'm not crazy about But what are you going to do? <laughs> Is he going to take your blue check mark away? I don't have one to begin with. <gasps> I've always bought the system. So, oh wow! You and you yeah. and Dave Briquette have that in common. He's never had a blue check mark, and I don't know why exactly. But when you guys I don't you even know, know how to go about it, like I, I, 
what do you do? You got to email somebody. Now you got to pay for it. So I'm not doing that. Yeah. It was something. And I'll be honest. Uh, it was like through our work, we did it. So if I had to do it on my own, I probably wouldn't have it. So uh, we're not that smart. Are we Jeff in the media? No, no. Not at all. <laughs> all right. All right. We've gone way off track, way off the rails, but that's Good our start. brand here at, at Carlos and Sean, uh, Carlos and Jeff now, um, hopefully forever. <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's, let's, let's kick this off. We're going to, we're going to talk about your Detroit Lions, Jeff. Okay. My, and then your Detroit Lions, you've been waiting for this. You, you, I know you have a Stafford shirt underneath your clothes at all times, like Superman. Uh, and then we're going to get into the Michigan Wolverines getting ready to play TCU in the college football playoff. And then maybe what awaits them after that. And then we're going to finish up with, uh, with my favorite thing, our favorite thing. So let's kick it off with, uh, with, the Detroit Lions. You and I were there at Ford Field on Sunday when they beat the mighty, mighty, and someone may have wrote fraudulent Minnesota Vikings who came in 10 and 2 and were humbled, were made to look ordinary. You and I were there. We were talking. Uh, what is what is your take on what's happening right now with the Detroit Lions? What's what how is this happening, Jeff? How is this possible? Okay, so there's a couple things, right? N- number one, and I'm like you, although you're from Los Angeles, I'm from Detroit, but we've both been watching the Lions for a very long time, probably way too long. It's bad for our house. <laughs> our life expectancy actually probably has gone down since watching this team. But a funny thing happened when they were one in six. Sheila Ford came out and I believe you were there. I wasn't. I was not there. Out. I was not there. That okay, day. she met everybody at practice and she said, listen, guys, you know, let's, let's pump the brakes. We're he- it's a teardown. We're heading in the right direction. And of course, I heard those words and I thought to myself, yeah. I believe in the process. She was saying, I believe in the process. Right. I believe in our people in the process. Dan Campbell constantly saying they're close. And I'm like, oh, give me a break, right? They're a bad football team. And then a crazy thing happened. They beat the Packers. They went on a four-game, win- five-game winning streak. And it went four. And four. They, they, they lost, they've won five of their last six. And Carlos, it's the weirdest, strangest thing. And we were talking about this on the radio yesterday because in the span of six weeks, Aiden Hutchinson told NBC Sports that same old Lions is behind them. Taylor Decker, after the Thanksgiving Day game, said we're not the same old effing Lions. (laughs) And then you know what happened? They won two games that the same old Lions would have lost, I think. They beat Jacksonville, routed them. And people said, well, Jacksonville's not that good. But then Jacksonville went to Tennessee and destroyed them. So maybe the Jags are okay. And they never let them in. That's the thing. The old Lions would have let them in and get a little close. Maybe still would have won, but would have made it more of a game. And they they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I I consider myself an expert of same old Lions. I wrote my (laughs) thesis on SOL. I am a SOL historian. And what I'm seeing over the last five of six weeks is everything not SOL. They don't do things that same old Lions do. I'll give you a quick example. Like go back to Sunday's game. Lions go three and out to start the game, right? They punt the football away. The Vikings then go three and out. Fourth and six, they punt the football away. Next thing you know, Lions go offsides. Fourth and six turns to fourth and one. And everybody in Ford Field, including yourself, was thinking, Vikings are going to go for it. They're on their side of the 50. They're going to get it. They're going to score a touchdown. And then the great dream is going to be done. And what happened? Lions get a stop. Lions end up scoring. And they end up winning the football game. And despite it being, what, a 12-point game, it wasn't even that close. The, The Lions dominated. And they proved that the Vikings are what many people say they are, kind of fraudulent. So it's the weirdest thing because for a guy that believes in same old Lions, these are not the same old Lions. And if you take it a step further, if they're lucky enough to win the next four, I know it's a tall task. And of course, they need help from the Commanders or the Giants or the Seahawks. This team, if they get in the postseason, Carlos, they could easily win a postseason game. And they could do something that we didn't even think was possible. Second postseason game since 1957. And how many coaches and players have gone through this organization unable to do that, which I I understand in other cities is not a huge deal. But here, could you imagine if Campbell and Goff win a playoff game? They take on the the Bucs or the Vikings. If it was the Niners, I think that'd be a tough game. They could beat the Cowboys, I think. So it's weird. In the span of six weeks, they've kind of changed the whole perception of them. 
And I, you know what? And that's the thing is, and I, I, you know, I've written this throughout the season is, is I've supported what Campbell has said about um, being close because I've said, it, you know, and people just get mad that, oh, you're giving them points for a moral victory and this and that. And that's like moral victories are real because they tell us sometimes you learn a little more about yourself when you lose than you win. Actually, when you get lucky and that's, that's the thing with the Vikings is they pulled out a lot of their wins with a, a, a really opportunistic, you know, timely turnover yeah. or something, you know, it wasn't these crushing wins that they, you could call it luck too. Uh, some luck and you do <laughs> need some luck, but they've had a lot of luck, you know? And I mean, the, the, the win in Minnesota against lions came down to some luck, you know, and so a little bit of mismanagement on Dan Campbell's side and, you know, so the Lions have been, even when they've been losing, it has been by much for almost all the games except maybe the, the Patriots game. So they've been right there, right there with a lot of teams. And early on, it's because they were also hurt. They were missing some players, right? So that, that when you look in that, in the totality of how you're playing these games, whether you're winning or losing, you have to factor that in. Now, if the Vikings had been totally banged up, if there was no Dalvin Cook, if there was no, uh, right. you know, Justin Jefferson, if there was no Kirk Cousins, if there was no, you know, whatever it might be, and they won this way, like, well, okay, they got a little bit lucky, you know. If the if the Jaguars hadn't had Trevor Lawrence, you know, oh, maybe you know, whatever he got dinged up in the first half or something. But no, they, these these wins have been legitimate. They've been winning by, I think, their last three victories are by double digits. You know, you're absolutely right, Jeff. If they get to the playoffs, everybody would expect them to make some noise. You know, and that's the other thing too, right? And this is this is what I always say about the hockey playoffs: is I hate to face, I hate to face the number eight seed because they've been fighting for their playoff yes. lives the whole way getting into that tournament. They're ready for it. The teams to the top, yeah, you may have a little more talent, whatever, but you've kind of been usually coasting to get there. This is what the Lions would be. They'd have to probably win out and be going going into the postseason. You know, really sharp if they're not hurt, if there's if they have enough health. You said no Delvin Cook. Like if the Vikings didn't have Delvin Cook, they essentially did not. <laughs> he rushed for 23 yards. Yeah. The Lions defense, seven games in a row, not mm -hmm. allowing a team to rush over 100 yards a game, which is pretty impressive considering where this defense was. And it's not like the defense is great by any means because it's not. But there's so much more opportunistic. And they're allowing, at times, the team a chance. And they get off the field now a little bit. So... Everything has kind of changed in the right direction. And I kind of thought Dan Campbell was fraudulent and I thought he wasn't going <laughs> to work. Why did you think that? Well, I mean, I, I most more than anything, I didn't like a lot of his in-game decisions, whether it be use of timeouts. You mentioned that Minnesota game where he ends up kicking the ball with Austin Seibert and next thing you know, cousins and company go right down the field and score. I mean, that was a heartbreaker. That was a kick in the gut right there. And that should have never happened. That should be a win. And the Lions could be looking at a situation where, well, maybe they could lose one of the final four and still be okay. Or even the Buffalo game, you know, how that game ended and the third and one play and all the conversations. So I still do think that in a huge game at some point, Dan Campbell might do something that's going to make you really upset. But you got to give him love and credit for what he's been able to do. They were one and six. People were talking about his job. I don't think he ever was actually going to get fired, but somehow, some way, he clawed his way out of it. And now look at them. They're not just good, they're dangerous. And they mm -hmm. do things the right way. So it's unbelievable. And the other thing too, Carlos, the biggest revelation, I think, from this team in six weeks, why I think this is different than any other Lions team I've ever seen. And maybe you're going to think, oh, Rieger's overreacting. What a flip-flopper. He hates them. Now he loves them, right? By the way, I did pick them at the start of the season. You know this, to make the postseason. But then I quickly backed away from that prediction <laughs> after they went one and six. So I'm going to go back to that prediction. How many wins, how many wins did you have them? before? I had them eight, nine wins. Okay. So I'm looking okay. And they're at six. They doubled their win total of last year. But here's the deal. We're always, we always want to say they're different. We always want to say the D word, right? And every time you say it, people will mock you. 
people will make fun of you. In my line of business, when you got the texts coming in, you got the tweets coming in, people don't hesitate to call you a, a dumbass. I don't know if you're allowed to say no, that word on the I, podcast. You know what? Nobody's ever emailed me or tweeted at me that, that I'm a jerk or I'm a, I'm a dumbass or whatever. No, because, no. because idiot, moron, clown are the first three <laughs> names that come out of their voice when they, they disagree with you. They disagree with a sports take and all of a sudden you're a moron. Very nice people. Anyway, the reason they're different, though, is because this, for the first time in our lives, I believe, it's sustainable. They're having most of the success uh, from a bunch of young guys that mm -hmm. either Brad Holmes drafted, first or second year guys, or guys that you know are going to be here for a couple of years. Yeah. And whether it's Jared Goff, who will be back next year, whether it's Isaiah Bugs, who made a big play on Sunday and you got from the Steelers in, a, in an unheralded move, but it turned out to be a great move, whether it's um, James Houston, a six-round pick who's got four sacks in his first three games, and then Aiden Hutchinson. Like These are guys that seem to be building a foundation. Like Go back to Lions' success, Carlos, and, and you know this as well as I do. Like The Jim Caldwell years, 2016, they lost their last four games. That team was really not going anywhere. Right. 2014, it was the best defense we've seen in a bit, but they were yeah. kind of fraudulent. Good teams lit them up, and you knew Sue was leaving. So yeah, yeah kind of had to... Like, get ready for that. Even 2011, like, Hey, we think they're going to take off Stafford and company, but they never really were building towards something that you think was sustainable for two, three, four five years, dare I say. So I think that's why this feels different. Well, I, the one thing I would agree, disagree a little bit with 11 was they did have, you know, they did have Sue. He was, he was young. Sure. He was in a second year and you had Calvin Johnson. I mean, I think you had Reggie Bush at the time. So people at that time, at least probably thought, you know, they're, they're, they're a somewhat young team. They have everybody. Don't let Stafford, Jeff, you, I do not have to tell you about the unhinged Stafford craze in this town around that time. Right. And they came back right. 2008. So it was only three years from the ashes of 016. Right. I mean, at that time, Jim Schwartz was look like a genius, you know, he took him from a couple of wins and then double that and then got in the playoffs. So, so yeah, he was, there was a lot of hype. Let's not forget what happened that year, though. It was so same old Lions. They they did the unthinkable, right? They make the playoffs Christmas Eve. They beat the Chargers. Everybody's excited. We're going to the postseason. What happened the next week? They go to Green Bay. We know what happened the next week. They got lit up by a backup to prevent them from winning the division and having a home playoff game. Like yeah. that had same old Lions written yeah. all over it. And by the way, you mentioned how, staff. How could you criticize Matt Flynn that way? I don't understand how you can be so mean to him. Yeah, I mean, okay. good for him. He got a massive contract with Seattle. Then Russell Wilson <laughs> took his job. But but you brought up you you brought up Matthew Stafford, the Stafford craze, if you will. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say this. You might disagree. Finally, the Lions have a number nine that's good. <laughs> I've used that joke like seven times already. <laughs> All right. Is it, is, you think it's disrespectful to give that nine away so quick? No. God, what has Matt Stafford <gasps> done here? He has every passing record in franchise history. I, I don't think we need to soil the Lions' <laughs> momentum by talking about number nine. With that being said, Carlos, like, obviously, it's a bummer that he's hurt. And it helps the Lions, or maybe it doesn't, because Baker Mayfield just got them a win and kind of hurt the Lions' <laughs> drafts pick from them. But Matthew Stafford was just good because that's all we've ever had. And I fully believe this. I mean, Stafford was a fine quarterback, and he gave to the community. And I'm not saying golf is better or worse, and it's not even a comparison. But could you imagine if the Lions make the postseason – are trending that way and they win a playoff game in year two of Campbell and Holmes and Goff. And in year two, Goff's first playoff appearance, he wins a playoff game and Matthew in three tries in 12 years never did. Yeah. That'd be pretty sweet. That that changes that that changes a little bit of Matthew Stafford's legacy and the perspective 100%. that we have about him. Well, Goff was trash and he comes here in two years. And but let me so, so let me ask you this. Does Stafford yeah. get inducted into their Pride of the Lions, the Ring of Honor. Oh God, yes. They 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 absolutely well, because the Fords love them. Yeah. And, and 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 actually, I mean, let's be honest too. Why did Matthew Stafford get traded to the his destination where Kelvin and Barry were forced to retire? Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I think Matthew had respect for the Ford family, and I think they made sure that Matthew was happy 
And good for Matthew. He ended up winning a Super Bowl. But, but you know me, I'm, and I don't know how we've got on this topic, but <laughs> I, I, I never we talked, happy. by the way, to the, to the listeners, Jeff and I talk about Stafford more than anything. We, we, just, might be just, we just go into that topic all the time. We might be obsessed, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, good for him. He wins a Super Bowl, but, but I, I do think it's fun that it's an, it's a, it's totally a blank slate and this team is having success and the fan base is excited and Ford field was rocking on Sunday. I mean, it was, it was a great environment. Oh, okay. Let me, let me, let me just hold your feet to the fire on this. Let me ask yeah. you this. You said this is all sustainable. This is is Stafford cool. a hall of famer? No, absolutely okay. not. No. Oh, oh not, you were not, not, not a first ballot hall of famer. <laughs> <laughs> Please. He's not a hall of famer. <laughs> Uh, what you said was, this is all kumbaya. This is amazing. The yeah. winning will continue uninterrupted for decades. <laughs> Super Bowl after Super Bowl. It's all sustainable. Let me add, like, because you have young people, good core, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Let me give you one name. Ben Johnson. What happens derail it. when they lose him? He is going to be gone. I mean, like... Last cookie on the shelf gone like that fast. I you mean, think it's a given? You think oh, it's a given oh. that somebody hires him to be a head coach? Oh, the scoring is down. It's the worst scoring in, across the league in like five or six years. Scoring's at a premium. He's got a sterling reputation. You know, all we're hearing more and more, the drumbeat from agents and scouts and people who know and who, you know, all the background is this guy's legit. This guy's a little genius. This guy knows how to draw. I mean, if there's one reason the Lions are doing what they're doing. It's because of the offense and it's because of the guy in charge of the offense. I mean, Dan Campbell did a good job taking over midway through last year for Anthony Lynn, but he had a lot of help from Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson comes in, lights the world on fire on offense. That is a premium, premium skill set. Okay. There's no way he doesn't get hired. Zero chance that he doesn't, he'd have to screw up. I mean, he could walk in, you know, he can pull a Jim Bob Cooter, walk in half naked, though, you know, talking to the Colts and still get hired, probably get offers. He's going to be able to, other than Sean Payton going to the Chargers, probably he's going to have his pick of whatever job I'm assuming. Right. So what happens when you lose him? I, I probably agree with you. And I think this is where Detroit needs to come together and hop on social media and start talking trash about Ben Johnson. We need to get rumors out there that he smells, that he doesn't take showers, that he has no manners, right? Because you don't want to lose him. You want to keep him here in Detroit. And he's been awesome. He's been unbelievable. It's hard to believe that he was a holdover from the Patricia staff. And then, of course, Campbell had worked with him before. And, you know, Anthony Lynn went by the wayside. And next thing you know, Ben Johnson's calling plays. And, I mean, if you didn't think he'd get hired by another team, just look at that third down where Panay Sewell catches that first down, the biggest first down of maybe the season. Oh, yeah. And you're going to Panay Sewell. And two plays before that, they gave the same look. I mean, Ben Johnson seems like to be a genius, right? Yeah. Two plays before, he puts Sewell in motion, he goes out and blocks. And the Vikings are like, two plays later, just going to block. I don't need to worry about him. They're running the football. <laughs> Next thing you know, they hit Sewell, kind of high pointed that football and runs for a first down. I agree with you. I, I, I and it's a good point. And, and look at it. You're so negative. You're raining on my parade. Um, <laughs> but he, if he does get hired to be a head coach, or maybe as you're saying, when he gets hired to be another team's coach, um, you hope that some of this influx of creativity to the offense is credited from Dan Campbell. And you, you trust Dan Campbell to go out and find an OC. I mean, if we're being completely honest, his moves to his staff have worked. Anthony Lynn, and they fired him. And he wasn't getting along with Goff, whatever the case is. Turned out to work because Ben Johnson comes into the OC. And then look at Aubrey Pleasant, right? That seemed like a very, it seemed like a scapegoat, if we're being completely honest. Yeah. Oh, you guys can't stop Tua and Waddle and Tyreek Hill. We're going to fire the DBs coach. Right. And next thing you know, their defense gets so much better and it climbs every week and it's climbing in DVOA and everything else. So Dan Campbell seemed like he knows what he's doing with his staff. So yeah, that, that would hurt without a doubt. But at the same time, you hope Dan Campbell can go get his replacement, but it's a good point because this offensive line is good. They're really good. This run game, it hasn't been as good in you know recent weeks, but they're good. 
And this receiving core is good. And Ben Johnson's been awesome. The, the question the, the question for me with Campbell is these these moves have worked out. Yeah. But the question is, you hired Anthony Lynn in the first place and had to make a switch. That was that was a, a mistake of judgment there. And I then agree. I don't know how much this was head games, but he wasn't willing to name Ben Johnson the play caller. And I don't know if he he'll never tell us whether he planned it all along and just I think he was kind of on the he wanted the the bailout in case it wasn't working out. And he did say, I will take over play calling. I have no problem with that. And I'll be involved with it. Blah, blah, blah. He wasn't sure if he was going to relinquish the play calling to Ben Johnson. Well, from the beginning of training camp, Ben Johnson was calling the plays on the sideline. You could see he had the walkie talkie. He was doing it. So I don't know how much of that was head games, but the fact that he wasn't sure about the guy who's going to be a head coach, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, 12 months ago, Jeff, Ben Johnson is a tight ends coach for the Lions. And the fact that Dan Campbell couldn't see the genius he had within him, you know, on his staff is it's a little bit of an indictment, you know, now I do say that he, he has earned the trust of being able to, I, I like that. He's not afraid to make these these changes, you know, firing Audrey Pleasant was not uh, easy for him. Praying no, no Anthony question. Lynn, good friend, not easy for him. And I asked him about uh, Aaron Glenn. You know, when the defense was really struggling, like, would you, could you make that move too? You know, if if, if the time came, and he was like, I'm not scared to make moves. You know, I I can do it. So, you know, he's not he's not one thing about Dan Campbell. Think about him. He's not scared of anything. That dude's going to gamble and try and do whatever he can. And when you're talking about the biting kneecaps, it's not on the field. It's in his mind. He's the guy who's relentless, who is, I'm going to, if I got to move people around and bench Mario, uh, uh, Amani Arariwe and all these different things, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what needs to get done. And it's, it's working out for him. It's interesting when you look at a guy like Campbell, because I keep going back to that, his press conference. And everybody focused on biting kneecaps. And I know nationally he got mocked and people say, oh, this guy's a clown. And, you know, it didn't look really good last year and the start of this year. It sure in the hell didn't look good either. But the one thing I keep going back to is he was talking about the fans of Detroit. And he said, I'm not going to say anything to you guys because you don't want to hear this bleep, right? You've heard it all before. Hopefully we speak to you on the field. And If Dan Campbell, and again, it's one year, it's six weeks right now, but if he could go back to the premise of winning a playoff game, that's pretty remarkable. Like, it truly is remarkable that in an organization where everything has gone wrong, where coaches come here, they never get another head coaching job ever, with the exception of what Dick Duran, I think, got one, right? No, but yeah, but he'd already been a head coach, so yeah. Right. Right. They've ruined careers. Bobby Ross went insane coaching this team. Driven them into retirement. Yes. Right. Mar- morning, morning wig. I mean, I think he had a little stint in Philly. Jim Schwartz <laughs> goes to be the DC of Buffalo and gets carried off the field <laughs> when they beat the Lions. Right. Then he goes to Philly too. Like it's been, and Lions fans all know this stuff. There's so much stacked up against you here in Detroit, whether it's the history, whether it's the same old Lions mentality. And Dan Campbell, and I know it's six weeks, and maybe it turns out to be a blip on the radar, but he somehow has gotten past that. And I really do believe he's gotten past that because he's faced it. And and he hasn't run from same old Lions. And he was here at 0-16. He must have picked up the fan perspective and what it's like in this town. And maybe he is the Detroit unicorn. And, like, I'm going to ask him about it one day. Like, like this is an impossible place to win. It is. It's been proven. Detroit football has been a joke our entire lifetime. I mean, I've made a so-called career. I don't know if you can call this a career. <laughs> I've made a so-called career bashing them, making fun of them, needling them. And again, I get it. Maybe it's too soon to say any of this stuff, but a guy like Campbell has the cheat code to a place like Detroit. And I can't get past it because I never thought anybody would succeed here. And again, maybe it's too soon, but do you know what I'm saying? It it does seem like they are so on the right track and you got guys speaking openly in the locker room about how they're changing. Like maybe finally we're seeing this so-called culture that we've heard about forever. 
Yeah, you know, we got to take a break soon. But I, you know, the one thing I wanted to say about that is just I hope you do talk to him. And you're not buying. I, you're not buying. I, well, I I think that it doesn't really have that much to do with him being here and understanding the vibe. And every coach who comes in all says the same thing. This is a blue collar child. And yeah. they, they deserve a winner. Blah blah blah. You know, you just go to Wikipedia. You can find that out. And Campbell was hurt most of the time he was with the Lions. And in 016, he was like. Play, barely played after his. We only season. played two games, but the year before he played, I believe, in eleven games. At yeah, seven he had a good year. He had a good yeah. year that year, and he refused to talk to me in the locker room. I'll always hold it against him. So, oh really? But, but yeah, he a jerk. I don't yeah, remember. No, no, he was just quiet. He <laughs> wouldn't talk to anybody. Uh, but it was really? that's how he was. Yeah. But the thing, the thing is, like, I hope you talk to him because the other day he mentioned something. He's like, "Well, I know, like, the winning has been hard here. Like, what the last twenty years? The last twenty? How about you years. multiply that times three? No." I don't think he has a full grasp. Everybody always just says that. And we've heard that from other players too. And other coaches like, oh, the Lions, you know, they just haven't won recently. Ask them, when was their last playoff win? Nobody has any idea. Okay, Car- Carlos, see, I disagree though. I-, I totally disagree. And it's not just because he played here, but wh- whether we say 20 years, of course, it's been 60 years, over 60 years. We we know it. Like, like we like to revel in how tortured we all are. <laughs> it- it's all we have. But uh, obviously you need to have the X's and O's, which obviously he seems like he has, right? He doesn't seem the dumb jock like everybody wants to think that he is. He seems like a pretty smart guy. If you look at any analytical charts, Dan Campbell seems top of the league in helping his team win games, you know, despite we, we bitch and moan about some of his calls. But I do believe in a place like Detroit, and maybe I'm wrong, but I truly believe this. I believe in a place like Detroit, you need a guy that can not only be a good football mind, motivate men, but at the same time, get past everything else, whether it be ownership, whether it be the fans, whether it be the climate, the culture. I do believe in all that stuff. And for 60 years, we've been a victim of that same old Lions dude hanging out in the corner, ready to stab you in the gut, thinking <laughs> of creative ways. I truly believe in this. I do. Like, like, And I'm not saying that this team is, maybe it goes through it too. Uh, hell, may- maybe you need to beat the Packers at Lambeau in what could be Aaron Rodgers' last game ever, and he ends up slicing and dicing you for the tune of 500 yards, and you end up missing the postseason. I'm not saying it could not happen, but I do believe that a big part of winning here is somehow getting a grasp on the history, and Campbell hasn't run from that. I mean, even this year, before Hard Knocks, he did that interview with Peter King, and he brought up same old Lions. And maybe I'm making too much to do about it. I, I have no idea, but I-, I believe in it. I do. You don't. You're just uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. He's he's definitely off to a good start, and he's he's backing up his words. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break, uh, and we'll be back with more Jeff Rieger and talk about uh, his Michigan Wolverines. All right, welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean, but really Jeff Rieger. Uh, Jeff, you've you've done. In one segment, you've uh, you've been more interesting and insightful about the Detroit Lions or any sports topic. Even Sean Windsor has been all year long. So oh my uh, I don't know if that's that big of an accomplishment, but I congratulate you. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm, do I get an award? You do get an award. Like plaque, I think maybe this is this is you're headed toward Pro V One territory here, my friend. Okay, I mean, we have a mantle at home <laughs> in my family room that I always sit in. If, if I could get some kind of award more interesting than Sean, I'll put it on my mantle. <laughs> it's coming your way. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go shopping for trophies after this. I'll be looking for it in the mail. <laughs> All right. Well, so as promised, we got to talk about your Michigan Wolverines, <clears throat> my Michigan Wolverines, everybody's Michigan Wolverines. Who's not? Cause you either love them or you hate them. You love to hate them. And it's the wall, no, Walmart Wolverine nation. No, no team in this uh, region engenders more, excitement and hate than Michigan football, right? Um, so here they are. They're, they're, they're heading toward the college football playoff, undefeated. They're going to take on TCU. And let me pull it up. It's the uh, Fiesta Bowl uh, on New Year's Eve. Uh, Michigan's number two seed. TCU's number three. And of course, whoever wins that faces the winner of number one, Georgia, number four, Ohio State, who are playing also later that night in the Peach Bowl, right? So where the the question we had the other day, Jeff, you and I were talking about this. 
And do Wolverines fans, do they want to see, do they want to, uh, the TCU game is a win, right? It's a given. It's kind no, of a real no question. Yes, I think they win that game. Do they want Georgia or do they want Ohio State in the championship game? So, so here's my take. And, and I am a self-proclaimed Walmart Wolverine. <laughs> I did not go to Michigan. And I know that's a big deal to some. I don't have a diploma. Um, I spent some time partying at times in Ann Arbor. Uh, um, that qualifies. That's it. You're yeah, a, I met you're my wife in Ann Arbor. I mean, she had a nice little apartment in Ann Arbor. So, oh, so okay. that kind of qualifies. If I you think. if you partied in Ann Arbor, ate at Zingerman's, and had breakfast at Angelo's, yes. you're you're an alum. I feel I've done all those things. So yeah, I mean, I I'm, I'm waiting for my diploma. I didn't have to pay the hundred and fifty thousand or whatever it costs these days. <laughs> but it, here's the thing: I would say it's interesting because. Yes, I'm a Walmart Wolverine. I consider myself the president of the Walmart Wolverines. We're having our local meeting at the Canton uh, <laughs> Walmart. If you guys want to show up, we'll have donuts and we'll have Pop-Tarts. Anywho, I think Michigan fans, and they're going to hate me for this, but that's okay. I think Michigan fans want to play Georgia. If they beat TCU. Really? TCU. And let why? me tell you why. Let me tell you why. And, and this is going to come out bad and people are going to yell at me. Because they're afraid to play Ohio State. <gasps> and let me tell you why, though. Because if you play the Buckeyes, they're not thinking about the fact that it could be the greatest win in program history. <laughs> to beat the Buckeyes for a national championship, you would end the rivalry. You would dominate. You would destroy. I heard, this is this is fact, I heard Columbus is the capital of Ohio, correct? Uh, I think it's Cleveland, but okay, sure, Columbus, whatever. But the, like, legitimately, I think Columbus is the capital. Yes, yes. I heard if Michigan were to beat Ohio State in, for a national championship, they would have to move the capital. They would move it to Dayton, or they would have to move it to like Lima, Ohio. How about Ann, Ar- Ar- Ann Arbor? Move it to Ann Arbor. Move it to exactly. <laughs> I actually heard Ohio, which is like Michigan would own Ohio. I think is how it works. I mean, think about that. A chance to not back Toledo. But you, you could beat the Buckeyes for the tw- second time in like seven weeks, which is always a big deal. But you also would beat them for a national championship. You would end them. You would destroy them. You would emasculate them. You would humiliate them. It would be the greatest win. And, and Carlos, I don't know how old of a guy you are. I'm 47. I have no idea how much time I have left on this planet. <laughs> I hope it's a decent amount of time. But when you get older, you start thinking about entertainment value. There would be no bigger entertainment value than to play the Buckeyes, to beat the Buckeyes, to end their program. Ryan Day probably gets fired and they would never be able to say anything again. You would have bragging rights for eternity. They could never say crap. They couldn't say anything. It's kind of like if Michigan State or Michigan were to meet in the NCAA tournament. Like you you, you can't say anything. So I want the Buckeyes, but I don't think Michigan fans want the Buckeyes because on the off chance they lose, and I don't think they would, on the off chance they lose, they'd never hear the end of it. Because that means Ohio State, after losing in the regular season, they would have won a national championship at your expense. So I don't think the risk is worth the reward in their minds. Like, think about it for a second. The Buckeyes have one loss, and mad chaos had to happen for them to get in. You know, TCU ended up losing. It did not hurt them. But USC lost, and Clemson lost, and the, the docket had to happen for the Buckeyes to get in. But the main reason the Buckeyes got in was essentially because Michigan beat them because their only loss was to the number two team in the country. So if you're a Michigan fan, work with me. (laughs) You beat the Buckeyes again, right? You win the Big Ten again. You go to the CFP again. You're the reason that you allow that that, that the uh, Ohio State gets in to begin with. And then if they were to beat you because you allowed them in because that's their only loss... I don't know if Michigan fans could deal with that, despite the fact that I think Michigan would win that game, although it is hard to beat a team twice in one year. So I think Michigan fans would say Georgia because they're afraid to lose to Ohio State. Now, I can tell you what they would say, though. If you asked any Michigan fan, Brad or Walmart Wolverine, who would you want to play after you beat TCU? Because they will beat TCU. They'll say Georgia. In reality, they're afraid to play Ohio State, but what they would tell you is we want to be the first team in the history of the college football playoff to beat Ohio State, a playoff team, to beat TCU, a playoff team, and to beat Georgia, a playoff team. And they would get revenge for last year losing to Georgia in their minds. 
So that's why they would say Georgia. But I want the Buckeyes. I want them back. You know what? I have to strongly disagree with you on this. I think that if you're a Michigan fan, you want Ohio State because you're think about it. You, you beat TCU. They're probably going to beat TCU handily. I agree. agree. But even if they don't, they beat TCU. Sure. They are riding high. They are riding high at that point. They're playing well. That means Donovan Edwards is playing well. That means JJ McCarthy, the defense, everything, everything's working out. There's no reason to be super pumped. Oh, you fear. Look at it this way. Which, which coach or which team is more worried about a Michigan Ohio State? You think you think Harbaugh is worried about a place uh, uh, facing Ohio State again, or do you think Ryan no. Day is worried about losing his getting fired during the championship ceremony for Michigan as the confetti's falling? No, but Carlos, I, I, that would be great. That would be just that that would just be icing on the cake, right? If you're a Michigan fan, I agree with you. I I think Michigan players, JJ McCarthy already said it. We'd be blessed if we could play those boys from down <laughs> south or whatever they say. I think Jim Harbaugh would love it because I think Ryan Day is intimidated and pretty much shrinks in the presence of Jim Harbaugh. I truly believe this. So I think the players and Jim Harbaugh and the staff, I think they would gladly play the Buckeyes because they know how to beat the Buckeyes. And I think Georgia is better than everybody and probably will win the whole thing again. So I think they'd probably just from a matchup standpoint and the fact that it's the Buckeyes, the game again, I think they would choose the Buckeyes. I'm talking about Michigan fans, though. Michigan fans, if they lose to Georgia, not a big deal. Number one team in the country. What are you going to do? SEC team. Oh, whatever. We're just happy with our season. We made the national championship game. And, and the Buckeyes didn't. And neither did Sparty. Right? So so we're cool. On to basketball season. And then we'll see you next fall for football season again. And we'll continue to be annoying to every other fan base because we're Michigan. They would want Georgia. If you get the Buckeyes on the off chance, on the off chance that they beat you, Michigan fans would have no idea how to handle it. And I don't blame them, but I'm telling you, I think they would beat Ohio State. So I'm here for all the action. Either way, I want Michigan to win the whole damn thing, but I want to, I want them to beat Ohio State. I'll take it a step further. I wanted Ohio State in the first round. I really thought Alabama should have been the fourth team. I thought it should have been Georgia, Bama. TCU had their chance. They lost. And I know were you, Alabama. Were you, were you, you were convinced by Nick Saban on that halftime uh, infomercial? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, because I think if you if you put TCU and Bama on a neutral field, who's winning that game? Yeah, I mean, you, okay, what about USC? You could make that argument too, right? Especially if Caleb Williams is healthy. USC's but defense not. is so porous that I'm not quite sure I would agree. Not to mention, is okay. Caleb Williams healthy? I don't know. Okay. But but you're right. But, you're probably right. Bama probably wins. Yeah, on a neutral field. Yeah, probably. So, so I wanted I wanted on New Year's Eve, and I don't know how ratings for these games are. It's weird that it's on New Year's Eve, but I wanted Georgia, Bama, and I wanted Michigan, Ohio State, the eight o'clock game on New Year's Eve. I think that would have been a ratings bonanza. It would have been fun. You beat the Buckeyes to advance to the championship game. But I mean, I, I still want the Buckeyes. I don't think Michigan fans do, though. We did this topic. I filled in on the morning show. John Jansen, Michigan alum, national champion. I think and okay. uh, yeah. myself did this topic. And a lot of people want Georgia. Now, they say they want Georgia because they want to beat the so-called best. But I think they want Georgia because they cannot stand the thought of potentially losing to Ohio State. It's something they might not ever get over. I mean, do you disagree with that? Well, I, I yeah, I agree with you in that regard because if you're Michigan and, you know, if you're a fan and you've seen this tremendous ride, this undefeated season to get yes. to the college football playoff, you've beaten Ohio State twice, you handle them in the horseshoe, all this stuff, and then you lose the championship on the 25th anniversary of their last, of the 97 championship, oh, you lose to the Buckeyes. That's so, even John Bacon probably couldn't bring himself to write a book about it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's going to be so hard, right? And if you're the Buckeyes, honestly, you're going to go in there probably as an underdog against Michigan. You got nothing to lose. You, no, you kind of have nothing to lose. Hey, we got we got to the college football championship game, you know? I mean, you know. Right, and they've already been humiliated, right? They've already, they've already been humiliated. Nobody, right. Weeks and weeks of getting right. getting told how bad they are, how pathetic Ryan Day is. But, but I, I guess my thing, and you answer this for yourself. Isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth the risk on the on the chance to beat them and end them? You don't ever have an opportunity like that. Carlos, in life, 
Oh, yeah. An opportunity like that is so rare. Like winning a national title happens every year, but beating the Buckeyes for a national title, there's not, there would be nothing better. Yeah. You could 20 years of dominance that they had over you, no more. Yeah. They they would shut down their program. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I heard, this is is only rumors. If if they were to lose to Michigan in the national championship game, they would move to being a club level team. They would get relegated. Big Ten would kick them out. Yeah, they, they'd uh, they'd get relegated to the Big Ten uh, West, probably right or something. And, oh my um, goodness! Yes, yeah, that's yes. that's you know what? And here here's the thing with sports, Jeff. I think is I don't know if you agree with this, but I I do firmly believe this in sports is more than winning. It's not losing. It's people are the players, the coaches, and all this. They they kind of have that mentality of I hate to lose more than I love to win. I think even. Aaron Rodgers, when he won the Super Bowl, he talked. I think he, I remember him talking about this, giving an interview and saying he's on the bus back to the hotel after the game, and he's like, he, it wasn't as fulfilling as he thought it would be because it was just the idea more of I don't want to lose. That he realized that's what had been driving driving him, you know, being Favre's backup for so long and overcoming all that stuff, you know, for Lions fans, even getting back to that a little bit is, is losing. You don't want to lose. You want to win, but you really don't want to lose because losing feels worse a lot of times than winning feels good. Okay. I got to tell you, I'm pretty staunch in my belief that I want the Buckeyes, but that is a fantastic retort. No, you, you are, you are (laughs) absolutely right. Because if you look at it from your point of view, a loss to the Buckeyes, would hurt so much more than the jubilation, if you will, against Georgia or the mm-hmm. Buckeyes. Yeah. So that's not a bad way to look at it, but, but okay. And, and I'll full, be fully honest with you. I like Michigan. I want Michigan to win. I'm more of a Michigan basketball fan than a Michigan football fan. I don't hate it when Harbaugh loses either because either <laughs> way it's good for business, right? He's either great way, for business. Right. So either I'm happy or Harbaugh loses and it's fun to talk about that too. So I can play both sides. That's why I want the Buckeyes. I'm also fully like my job. I want storylines like, and I get like the buildup for a whole week of the Buckeyes, Michigan again for it all. That would be just radio gold and not to mention the lions potentially could be in a playoff mix at that point. Like, wow, what a week of radio. So that's what I want. But you you do raise a good point. You really do. You do raise a good point about the not wanting to lose more than really getting excited to win. Well, the, the uh, to give your uh, your buddy, your colleague, Wojo credit, he had one of the all-time great lines about Indomitian Sue, and he called him a walking web hit because he was always stirring stuff and whatever. I would say Jim Harbaugh is a walking storyline. He just always cannot keep himself from making news and saying things and it's it's more than a, it's more than a web hit. It's just a constant conversation about it's. There's like there's Michigan football, and then there's Jim Harbaugh. He's like his. He should have his own like section in the newspaper, or, or you know, somewhere on TV, a segment or something, right? right. The gift that keeps giving, Jim oh. Harbaugh. Oh, I, I, mean, I would have been so political. bummed if he'd been the Vikings coach. Oh, would have been terrible. All right, uh, so we got to take a, another quick break, Jeff. We're going to come back. We're going to have something actually. There's a. There's going to be a little surprise. I'm going to do a lightning round. Oh. Quick, quick lightning round with Jeff Rieger, and we'll do our favorite thing when we come back. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Slarry and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom has spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. 
we can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartan Speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. All right, welcome back to Carlos. Well, Carlos, it's it's the Carlos Show. <laughs> Sean, Sean always says it's just the Carlos Show, and it's officially now the Carlos. It's Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. How does that not just roll off your tongue, right? I mean, that's just the, the best show name ever, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Rieger is our is our wonderful, intrepid, interesting, um, hopefully full-time guest now that Sean Windsor can't be found. <laughs> um, so, uh, Jeff, okay, we're going to do something. We're going to do a quick lightning round. Quick, quick, uh, either one-word answers or multiple choice, whatever. And okay. uh, then we're going to go into our, my favorite thing. What we should we talk about our favorite thing that we've had uh, in our lives recently. So, all right, let's uh, let's kick it off. Multiple subjects here. All right, Kid Cunningham from the Pistons. He's going to have surgery on a stress fracture on his left shin. He's going to re- miss the rest of the season. Question is, Will he be this? Will he be the same player he was next year? A little worse, or maybe better? One of those three. Um, I think he'll be the same player. I mean, it's pretty. I would assume the medical technology these days ends okay. up working out. So I'm not that worried. But very quickly, can you get this somehow mainstream? Brick for Vic, because with Cade out. You might have a chance at Victor Wembanyama, the kid from France, who is going to go first overall in the draft. That kid is transcendent and a game changer. So that's brick for Vic while Cade is recovering. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. That's what they said about Cade, that he's transcendent. And obviously the Pistons have been to multiple playoffs since then. Said, okay, good. Good idea, Jeff. All right. Next one. Never stop acquiring talents, Carlos. (laughs) That's right. All right. So uh, Pistons are 7-22 and when we're recording this. They, They have the worst record in the NBA. Last year, they won 23 games. They got seven so far. Did they get to 23 wins this year? No. Now, they do happen to see, It seems like they beat teams they should not beat at times. But no, I mean, you're looking at maybe a 20-win basketball team. So, no. Brutal. Brutal. I like it. All right. Your favorite your favorite sport now. The Red Wings, Detroit. No, actually, Sean Windsor's favorite hockey. I think he's been to one or two hockey games in his life just because he's been threatened by our boss. But, okay, Red Wings, 30, 32 points through 27 games. They've been hovering around the playoff, you know, mark right around there in the playoff standings, either in the division or the wild card. Do they make the playoffs this year? All right. So, the East is tough. There's no question. I've been very impressed with what Iserman did, the building of the team, where they are. I feel a butt coming. You're going to see important <laughs> games in March and April, which is big. I want to, I'm on the wings intermission all the time. I ask everybody, are the wings going to make the playoffs? And everybody says, no, I'm going to be different. I'm going to say yes, but <gasps> barely as Plot an twist. eight seed. And then Here's my dream. Can I just quickly tell you my yes, dream? Yes. Here's it's a dream. lightning round, but yes. A quick lightning <laughs> dream. The Wings make the playoffs. They match up with the Maple Leafs in the first round, and they somehow beat the Maple Leafs because all the Maple Leafs do is lose in the first round. And Good all brand. of Canada feels awful about themselves. <laughs> I love Canada, but my goodness, if the Leafs lose again in the first round to the Wings, that would be amazing. That's my so dream. Jeff Rieger wants to destroy Columbus and Toronto. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one, you're, you're back to your, your Detroit lions. Uh, if the lions actually make the playoffs and win their first playoff game game since 1991, everybody gets a statue. Do you give Dan Campbell an extension? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll give him a lifetime contract. (laughs) No, yes. Yes. You give him an extension. Absolutely. 100%. Whatever he wants, I'll give him. And you know, the Fords will too. I think you name a king of Detroit. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's just, you know. Yeah, I think of Detroit. I mean, is Duggan, like, maybe maybe he's a co-mayor with Duggan, right? Oh, oh. You want to maybe go that or way? governor. Maybe governor. Maybe that's, that's, that's in the, that's the in position. The future. Well, you yeah. know what? The one thing, the one thing I'll say, I was, I was really, ups, I was un, uh, unhappy about, I wish, and TJ Hawkinson didn't catch a touchdown pass, but even if he hadn't, I wish that the celebration for the Vikings would have been that, you know, the receivers or whatever, the linemen line up in the end zone and the guy who caught the touchdown pass bites their kneecaps, pretends to bite their kneecaps. That would have been the best. They missed oh out. My 
God. You got TJ's number. How do you not call him and tell him about that? I didn't that? think about it until the game. I told him that. Is that is amazing. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Could you imagine? That is so good. Could you imagine if they lose to the Packers or maybe Justin Fields and the Bears in a game that they need to win to make the postseason? And then that team does. Oh, that is. How has no team done that? That's great. But for Hawkinson, too, that would have been. Oh, he's too nice of a so guy. Good. Maybe they play the Rams next year in the playoffs and Stafford does that. <laughs> Sorry, back to Stafford. My bad. Uh, okay, last one. Yes. It's going to be a QB rich draft. Mm-hmm. Your boy, Jared Goff, is playing lights out right now. Yes. Do you draft Everybody's two draft boy. picks in the first round? Do you draft a quarterback? In the first round, uh, 100% no. <gasps> No, no, no. Uh, Bryce Young, I like, but I'm not quite sure you're going to be able to get Bryce Young unless mm-hmm. you're going to trade both picks to get the number one. Houston probably takes him regardless. So so you can't get Bryce Young. I'm not sold on C.J. Stroud. Here's what I would do, Carlos. I'm drafting a quarterback because you need to draft a quarterback. I like Spencer Rattler. I know people laugh at that. He's from South Carolina. Let's not forget he was a Heisman hopeful last yep. year before yep. he kind of went in the tank with Oklahoma and lost his job. Had a good season. Probably get him later in the draft, identify a guy, develop a guy, have him play behind golf. And then once you realize that that guy can do the job, you insulate that guy. You got a lot of pieces, offensive line, receivers, running backs, good offense, good OC, hopefully, whoever replaces Ben Johnson. And you put that guy as your starting quarterback. You don't pay him as much and you trade Jared Goff or you let him go by the wayside. Okay. I like but that's it. That's what and I then- would do. And then if it, it, of course, if it doesn't work out, if you draft the bust, and Brad Holmes has been very good at drafting people so far, if you draft the bust, then you do it again the next year. But I don't think you cannot not. What round are you talking? Second round? Third round? Second or We're, third, yes. Second or third, okay. Yeah, is that, so is they, that fair? What are you thinking? Uh, I think that when they lose Ben Johnson and the Lions start off 0-5 <laughs> next year, and then there's a quarterback controversy with Spencer so Rattler and Jared Goff, you're going to love it. You're going you're gonna to be like a, like a pig in slop loving this uh, controversy, right? I do love a good quarterback controversy. Look at Kate McNamara and J.J. McCarthy. That oh. carried us for weeks. Oh, yes. The, the gift that kept, kept on giving. There's nothing quite like a solid QB controversy. <laughs> the beautiful thing. And after Stafford was on the four family scholarship for 12 years, we didn't have that. So, yeah. Stafford got benched one time by Jim Caldwell in that Arizona game, I believe, at Ford Field. Yep. And, and the it next cost game, Jim Caldwell his job. Being a starter. It cost Jim Caldwell his job because Stafford refused. I personally asked him twice at his locker in a press conference, would you go to the, would you advocate for Jim Caldwell staying? And he refused to say he would because he did because he was mad. He holds grudges and he doesn't, he didn't want to, he got benched. He got embarrassed. You were there. I was there, I'm sure, in the locker room when he got benched and you could see Stafford. I mean, he was really upset about it. You know, I'm just trying to win a game or whatever. And Cowell told him, you get, you throw another pick, I'm going to bench you. He got embarrassed, humiliated, all this stuff. So from that moment on, he could have he could have saved. He probably could have saved Jim Cowell's job if he advocated for him. I didn't think I see. This is why I trust you for things like this. I, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, Jim Bob Cooter was the one guy that he did advocate for. He did for, advocate correct? for him because Jim Bob let him do whatever he wanted to. And he was fired pretty quickly after that. Yeah. All right. Well, that was... Uh, that was that was not a not quite lightning round, uh, not quite yeah, sorry, lad, but uh, but it was good. I liked it. Okay, all right. So now we're Sean hates doing this. He just always steals my favorite thing. But I'm a, as you know, I'm a positive guy. Uh, I always like to look the bright side of things, Jeff. So I'm going to let you go first with your favorite thing from the last week or so. Now, does it have to be sports or just no anything? anything. Oh, In fact, okay. not sports is better, but anything. Th- this one is super easy. So um, I'm a Jewish guy. Whole my life, my entire life, I'm Jewish, right? Never really celebrated Christmas until I meet my lovely wife and we celebrate Christmas. And then my daughter is born on Christmas. Seven years ago, this Christmas, she's born on Christmas. Oh, So my daughter, who will not be watching this, wants an elf. The elf on a shelf. And you know about the elf, you <laughs> oh, kids, yes. right? I'm sure you did it. So the elf on the shelf gets here on Sunday. It's on the porch. My wife gets the elf on the shelf. And she calls me and she's like, we can give this to Olive. And and we're trying to get Olive to spend the night in her bed more often than not. You know, it's a seven-year-old issue, if you will. So we tell her that Santa 
has sent the elf on the shelf to help you with this. So you get the elf, you stay in your bed. We tell her to look behind her curtains. All of a sudden, the elf is there. And she thinks it's the coolest thing in the world. Now, every morning she's waking up. Where is the elf? The elf has already eaten Fruit Loops. The elf already got into some flour and did some snow angels. The elf currently is on a guitar chilling on our mantle. Like, it's the coolest thing. And I know a lot of people get stressed out by the elf. A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people find it kind of a pain in the ass to, to, to figure out the new um, places the elf should be. But I, I love it. And my kid loves it. So... Elf on the Shelf, without a doubt, the coolest thing this week. Well, I don't know what you're talking about because when we had our Elf on the Shelf jingles, he magically just went back to the jingles. North Pole every night. I don't know what you're talking about, about pain in the butt. So jingles was nothing but a pleasure. So, Oh, no, 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 you're right. I'm sorry. I got it wrong. Again, I'm Jewish. So, so I'm not quite <laughs> sure about the Christian stuff, but the Christmas stuff. But, but that's a good point. It, it goes back to the North Pole and you can't touch it. Because if you Nobody touch, touch. It, it, loses its magic. What's your Elf's name? Um... Great question. I forgot. Oh, no, no. Hold on one you second. haven't named your baby Tesla. Oh, you haven't named oh, the elf. Oh, hey, shame elf. on you. What's our elf's name again? <laughs> okay, thank you. Crystal. Crystal. Crystal the elf. Yes, I forgot. That sounds like someone who would. Okay, I'm not going to say it. Okay. What? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not going to say it. This is, a, this is a family show. I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, someone you find, out. someone you might find on Eight Mile. Let me just put it that way. Um, wow! Uh, no, no, okay. no, Crystal. Jeez. Yes. All right. <laughs> Lovely Crystal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Crystal. All right. All right. That was what Jeff. That, that might be my favorite favorite thing we've ever done. That is so adorable. And by the oh, way, hey. Jeff, I love hearing about all of all the time. What a cute. She's a cutie. I love one of my favorite kid names ever. Uh, so this is, this is, this is great. All right. My, mine, okay. I'll, I'll be quick on mine. It's, it's a little bit of a downer, but not too much. Sean would criticize me for this, but I would just, just had some recent, um, you know, struggles, um, in my professional life, as you know, some issues going on in the workplace that are challenging. It's the end of the year, you know, it's already, the days are gray, had some issues in our family life, some health concerns, very worrisome things that are going on right now. Every year I try to, at the, I, I don't, I'm not like a New Year's resolution per se guy, but I, every kind of around this time of the year, take stock of my life, try to, I try to look forward to doing something different, kind of like resolution, better, more workouts, better diet, travel somewhere, be more social, whatever it is. I try to do something, have a goal. And my goal this year was to finally learn how to play the guitar, like take oh, lessons. Wow. I've had a guitar for like 20 years. I've dabbled, but I've never taken it seriously. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go and do it, sign up. But then with all the problems going on in my life, I was like, you know, you just don't feel like you don't feel motivated to do something positive. You kind of just want to like retreat into yourself and curl up and, you know, wallow in your misery. But I'm going to force myself to do that. I'm going to force myself to look forward to doing something positive, you know, enriching myself. I've, I'm not a musical person. I don't have one speck of musical ability or talent. Uh, my sister did. She was a wonderful piano player and drummer and she was in the band and all this. I had, I got none of it, none of it I'm just passed over in the gene pool. So I'm going to look forward to challenging myself and, and, and looking forward to doing something every week with lessons. Um, so nice. hopefully in a year from now, Jeff, maybe I'll serenade you with whatever poor, tune I can pick out on the guitar. You, you know what they say, you got to start with Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> that, that's, I, I think that's what every guitarist learns to play first. And then, oh yeah, Jimmy Page, you know, he's easy to emulate, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think you can pick it up. <laughs> Did you ever play Guitar Hero on the uh, video games? I'm terrible at it. Oh. Yeah, I, there's no hope for me, Jeff. I, I this is this is my Everest. I don't know if it's going to happen, but. <laughs> yeah, but think of how cool your kids will think you are when you're walking around with a guitar strap to you? My kids, my kids, I, I don't know. I don't want to speak for them too much, but you'll discover this. My kids are in college. You, you will see as much as every once in a while, they're someone outside of our life, you know, our realm and they're, you know, they're teachers or they're whatever. My daughter has, she's in Indiana and one of her professors said he knew who I was. She find, found it 
mildly amusing that her professor in Indiana would know who that her dad's a columnist at the Detroit Free Press. Like, I don't care if you're, you know, Taylor Swift or or whatever, you know, Bon John Bon Jovi. Your kids never think you're cool. No matter you can you can cure cancer, and it's gonna be like that's eh, just my dad. Whatever. You're, you're probably right. You're probably right. Although I don't know. You watch like um, you know, uh, you watch Yellowstone. I don't. I didn't. I. I I haven't been able to get into. It. I know it. I know the show. The I know the show. Yeah, yeah. The, the real powerful. What's the other one? Succession. Succession. I'm sure those kids think their yeah. dad is cool. Fe- they fear their dad. That's the problem. And their dad's that's rich. Actually, I'm not rich, so they just want his company and his money. That, that's a very valid point. <laughs> well, that, that's congratulations. Good luck thank to you. you. Thank you. All right. Well, I want to say congratulations and a big thank you to you, Jeff Rieger, for joining us from 97 won the ticket. Uh, it is called. The show is called. Um, Rieger, Wojo, and Rieger. Yes, he gets the top billing. He's the did, see, that's what throws me off is he gets the top billing, but it's Wojo and Rieger. He's got a career. People know who he is. Who He's a big, is he? What's he done? Eh. Wojo's one of my favorite people, by the way, but... Great guy. Uh, Great guy. Yeah. And it's on, the show is on when? Every day, Monday through Friday, 6 o'clock. Give us a listen. Give us a listen. And ticket text. And uh, make sure you listen to that show. And I want to thank you, the re- the listener, reader, the listener, for uh, for our show. This listening and stopping by and sharing some time. If you if you like our show, as Sean would say, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. We have to do our thank yous to the to the producers. Our producers, Andrew Hammond and Robin Chan, who make this show possible. Our executive producers, Kirkland Crawford and Anjana Delgado. And, uh, and our big executive, executive producer, the, the man who runs the whole show for the whole paper, editor Peter Batia. But if you do like the show, please subscribe wherever you subscribe to your podcast on Spotify and Apple, uh, Carrier Pigeon, wherever it is, uh, and give us a rating. Uh, subscribe, give us a rating, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. Please uh, lobby for Jeff Rieger to be a full-time uh, <laughs> guest and replace uh, Sean Windsor. Um, And until then, we'll meet you again, talk to you again next week.